Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Last year, I there was a word that the Lord laid on my heart, and the word was restoration. Before the end of the year, the Lord laid a word very strong in my heart, and and I'm sure most of us, you know have experienced this in one way or the other. When God puts a word in your heart, sometimes he wants you to sit on the word. He wants you to get time and allow him to, to expand that word for you. Because you can't give what you've not received. And sometimes when God puts something in your heart, it's not actually for you, but you need time with God to be able to receive the fullness of it so that you can release it. And so when the Lord put the word restoration in my heart, I began to you know, observe things around and to listen to even news. I'm not someone, well, I changed that. Um, I used to love news a lot, listen to the news a lot, but at some point I repented from that. And so when the Lord gave me this word, I began to revisit that gift a little bit just to read things and to see things, you know, observe things physically. Jesus said, watch and pray. Sometimes a prayer topic comes from what you watch, physical eyes. I'm not talking about spiritual things. And so I began to observe things and I began to listen to things and I realized that almost everything that was going on in the world at a time, in the secular world, if, if, if that is the right word for me to use, was about the impact of a pandemic and the, 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 the problems that would come even in the coming year, you know, possible economic recession and the problem even in our educational system, kids have you know, lost a lot of things that they were supposed to have covered in the past years because of the pandemic. And businesses, you know, may be struggling because of the pandemic. And we all know policies have been made, have been shifted because of the pandemic. And I began to understand, not just even in this area, but even within ministry, within the things of God, in the body of Christ. Pastor Charlotte has said it here before, how... A lot of pastors are even resigning from the faith, stepping out of ministry because of all the problems that are going on. And the Lord began to, you know, increase this word in my heart, restoration. I remember there was a time I listened to one, um, I was actually driving and there was this news story that um, came in. One of the big banks in the, in, the, in the province, I mean in the country, the chief economist was being interviewed and, you know, given projections for the coming year and he talked about how the financial sector is going to be so bad and well you know it could work well and I, I heard all of these things and I began to understand why God was putting that word in my heart of course it was for me but also for the body of Christ in many different you know um sectors and I believe you've also you may also have your own experiences your own um observed factors about what I'm talking about but one thing that I realized was that this kind of information some way, somehow began to paralyze the hope in the hearts of God's people. The hopes of people were dashed. Few people had hopes to pursue the dreams that God had put in their hearts, in their business, in their families, in ministry. Because you know what? After all, there is nothing good to be pursued. Things are just coming to an end. And sometimes we can even spiritualize it. Well, you know, it is, we, are all, we are in the end times and things will go this way until Christ comes. I do believe and I know we are in the end times. 
But what is the perspective of the word of God, the Bible, for us in this season? And this morning, that is what is in my heart to share with you. Hallelujah. Because most of us do believe that there is a great move of God that has already begun across the world. And God is going to do more. But the point is this. We cannot be in a state of expectation of what God is about to do if we remain hopeless. Hopelessness is not a state that we create to receive the next move of God. The equation doesn't work in that way. Hallelujah. And so how are we supposed to position ourselves as believers, as God's children? Of course, in the midst of all the problems that we see around, how are we supposed to position ourselves to witness and experience what God is about to bring? For us as a church, for the body of Christ, and even for the world. I said revival do not happen in a state of hopelessness. Hallelujah. If you are here, you believe in God for revival, and when we talk about revival, don't think of anything so grandiose. Of course, it can be big, but it begins with me, it begins with you. It begins with your family, your passion for the things of God, your time, your passion to study God's word and to seek him in prayer, in loving, in doing the thing that the word of God has given unto us to do. That is revival. And as we begin to move in that way, it goes across, goes beyond us to our communities, to our province, to this. That is how revivals happen. I said it here last week that revivals do not happen with extraordinary people. All through history, revivals have happened with ordinary people like you and me. And so God wants us to have the right mindset, position ourselves well for what he is about to do. At every point in time that we have experienced revival, even in the Bible and all through history, at least God will call some people and begin to put something deep into your heart to raise their expectation in the God that is able to bring a breakthrough. And that is what God is calling the body of Christ to come to in this season. In the days of Elijah, when the people were just sinning against God and did not regard God, God raised Elijah. In fact, he thought he was the only one. But there were some people that God had hidden somewhere who were seeking God. But God began to nudge in their heart to pursue more of him. Elijah believed that there was a God that could send rain, that could send fire from above. That expectation moved him to do what God had called him to do. In the days of Elisha, when there was no food in Israel when there was famine in Samaria. And God began to put into his heart, prophesy that tomorrow by this time, there is going to be abundance in the house. Some people did not believe him, but he believed that there was a God that could change the story in 24 hours. And God brought it. Jesus Christ in his days experienced a situation in Luke chapter 19 verse 41. It's not up here, but let me read that because... As I began to, you know, meditate on it this morning, this word came into my heart, but I had already sent my notes out, so I couldn't add it. But that's fine. Let's go to our Bible. Luke chapter 19, verse 41 to 44. Luke 19, 41 to 44. Flip with me, and let's get there. The Bible says, and this is about Jesus Christ approaching the city of Jerusalem. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying... 
if you had known even you especially in this in in this your day the things that make for your peace but now they are hidden from your eyes for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you surround you in and close you in on every side and level you and your children within to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation Jesus was saying that I have come I am the Messiah I've come to bring you peace but you guys are so much fixated on physical redemption from from the Romans and so you've even missed your time of visitation and he began to pronounce to them what their enemies were going to do to them he said if only you guys would know and Jesus began to weep over the city why because it was hidden from the eyes of the people that there was a redeemer at that time instead of them to have hope in jesus as a messiah they did not even know that there could be redemption for them at that time how many of us have lost that hope that god has given to you of the dream he has placed in your heart for your family for your business for whatever god is asking and calling you to do because when you look around you everything looks so hopeless and you think this is not even possible let me just close it and put it under bed or something the bible said nobody lights a lamp and put it under a bed it comes on a lampstand so that it brightens and blesses everyone it takes hope in the hearts of god's people to be able to do what god has called us to do in this season hallelujah some few weeks ago i was watching a video um, by this man Leonard Ravenhill I'm sure some of you would know him he's no more alive but he was a powerful man of God British man who spoke about prayer about revival you know about faith and he had visited the US and so he was being interviewed and one thing that really shocked me in the interview pastors and believers were there in the room asking him questions here and there and at that age of his life he had seen a lot of the things that God had done you know across the world and one of the questions that was put to him was that why do you think that the church is not praying for revival in these days and he said there is no hope in the church anymore there is no hope in the church anymore just to clarify things this was an interview in 1989 he said when people look around the world and see all the things going on there is no hope in the hearts of believers anymore and so believers cannot even pray for revival and that really hits me so wow this was 1989 you can do the math fast forward 2023 what is the state of the body of christ right now Pastor Brass said something last Tuesday at our staff meeting. He said, it looks as if we've been trained to always focus on the problems. And the word was so, it, it, it touched me because I was still preparing this message. And that is the problem we have in the world right now. God has given us his promises in his word. It doesn't matter what goes on in the world. Do we feel it? Yes, we do because we live in it. But we are not of this world. And God is warning us in this season that I am still working. I am still doing things. My, I need my people to partner with me on this journey. To realize what I have designed and purpose for this world. People of God, hopelessness is not an option. Hallelujah. It is not an option. 
God is calling us beyond that. It is not an option. And so this morning, for us to be able to dig deeper into this, and even like I said before, when I was going through this last year, the Lord led me to, you know, study the book of Joel. And so I studied the book of Joel, and I began to see how God is able to turn things around for his people. And so I want us to dig a little deeper into that this morning. If you go with me to the book of Joel, and I know it's hidden somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> That's a test for us this morning. Let's all try and get there. If you're using a phone or something online, maybe that's going to be easier. But let's look for Joel. So just to help her, Joel is found between um, Hosea and between Daniel and, and, and um, Amos. Sorry, Hosea. See, I'm even, even though I've written here, I'm still struggling. <laughs> that is the, the, the test for us. My son comes to me and he tells me, Daddy, can you um, tell me all the books of the Bible? Like... You're going to school now. I'm not a student, so can you tell me? And because he comes to ask me a question that he knows he, he, he can tell me. Anyway, but that is, so this one, let's go through the book of Joel and see how God is able to revive hope in his people in the midst of troubles. Just to give you a little background to who Joel was, his name means Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. That is the meaning of Joel. Traditionally, Joel is referred to as a prophet of Pentecost. Or some call him the prophet of religious revival because he prophesied about the coming outpouring of the Spirit of God upon all flesh. In fact, he was the first to prophesy about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Before him, many prophets had prophesied about the coming of the Messiah and about many different things in the land. I mean, for the people of, of God, the Jews, but also for the body of Christ to be born out of that. But he was a phrase. And so that is a little background for you, the Bible students. But this morning, I want to talk about three things from the book of Joel. I want to talk about the realities, which were the hardships of the time. I want to talk about a remedy, which was the healing that God pres pre pre prescribed for them. And then I'll talk about a restoration, which was the heart of the Father. And my prayer and belief is that through this, God will revive hope in someone this morning. And so let's take the first one, the realities. So now let's look at Joel chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. I'm going to read a lot here because once again, we should be able to position whatever we say here within the word of God. The Bible says, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, and give your all, you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. While the chewing locusts left, the swarming locusts had eaten. For the swarming locusts left, the crawling locusts had eaten. And while the crawling locusts left, the consuming locusts has eaten. So God was presenting to the people the intensity of the problem at the time. And once again, just to give us a little background, Joel, as a prophet who, had, who knew the word of God, received a message for the people. This was a time that you know, Israel had been divided. So there was a northern kingdom and there was a southern kingdom. 
Of course, the message was for the whole of Israel, but specifically it was for the southern kingdom, Jerusalem, for that matter, and you know, Judah. And so Joel received the message, but as a prophet, he, was, he had to be able to carry the message to the people of God. The message was about God's warning to the house of Israel. But around that time, there was, there was a problem. There was, um, locusts had invaded the land, physical things, not spiritual. And so the people were familiar with that problem at the time. All their, I mean, their crops and things had all been destroyed. And so Joel, presenting the message of God, carried that same you know, physical situation that the people were familiar with to present what God had done. And you know, let me just tip in this. Sometimes when God puts a word in our heart, like what Johnny was doing, God speaks and we, we, we partner with God to be able to find the right way to present the word of God to God's people. And that's why, like Mel said, it's, it takes courage because you can receive a word, but sometimes it's hard to really present it to God's people. And so I'm just saying this to say, let's give grace. When God's people share things, sometimes it's not as easy as we think it should be. But Joel used the, the problem, the physical problems at the time. The people were familiar with the invasion of locusts and the destruction of their cross. He used that to present the message to the people. And so he's saying that this has never happened before. So carry this message to your children and let them present it to their, the next generation. In other words, it was the magnitude of the problem was so high that people had never seen this before. And he described it further by saying that, he says, once again, let me pick it again from the verse 2. Tell your children about it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. While the chewing locusts left, the swarming locusts has eaten. While the swarming locusts left, the crawling locusts had eaten. And while the crawling locusts left, the consuming locusts has eaten. So basically, everything in the land had been destroyed. The second thing is that from the verse 10 to the verse 12, Joel begins to present to the people the real impacts of what had happened. He said, the field is wasted, the land mourns, for the grain is ruined, the new wine is dried up, the oil falls. Be ashamed, you farmers, will you vine dresses, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the, of the field has perished. The vine has dried up and the fig tree has withered. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are withered. But you see, position yourself with these people. Those days, these were farmers. It was a typically an agrarian society. And so every aspect of their life was dependent on the land. And this was the situation. The harvest was no more Economic problems, environmental problems, everything that the people could dwell on physically was gone. And I don't know if we can, I mean, we can, we can compare this to where we are right now in history. As I mentioned before, we can blame everything on COVID because of this, this has happened because of this. And yes, it's true in some sense, but this was the situation of the people at the time. The last piece of the verse 12 is so interesting. Let's pick it up. It says, a grain offering, sorry, let me pick the last piece of the verse 12. It says, let me read the 12 again. The vine has dried up and the fig tree has withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. 
In addition to the economic problems and all the problems, there was also an emotional problem at that time. Joy had withered from the people. The verse 16 presents more on the emotional side. It says, it's not the food cut off be before our eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God. We're talking about mental health in this time. We're talking about anxiety in this time. We're talking about depression in this time. That was the situation of the people of God at the time. Because there was nothing for them to rely on as God's children. And when you begin to read the chapter 2 of Joel, and I would encourage you to read it when you go home. It's just three chapters. It can be before your afternoon nap today. Amen. When you begin to read the chapter 2 of Joel, these were the consequences of the sins of, of that the people had done. And you know, that is how the God, that is how the world is. Every sin that we do as a people has got consequences. I teach my son, you know what? Choices have got consequences. And so this was what the people were facing at the time. And the prophet had to carry this to the people. It wasn't a pleasant story, it wasn't a pleasant news, but he had to present it to the people. But you know the good thing with the God that we, we serve? He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a faithful God. In the world, when things go bad, the world will tell you that you need to take a couple of years to be able to recover what has been given or what has been lost. But in the kingdom of God and the things of God, things don't work that way. And so God presented to them the impact of their sinful you know, actions, of their, the wrong choices that people had made. But he also presented to them a remedy. As I read, I was so, I mean, I know God's character as a good, good father. But the transition was so sharp for me. The God who listed all these things flipped on that side and began to talk to the people about what they could do to bring them out of that situation. And so from, let's move on to the next point, which is the, we talk about the, the, the realities here. Let's talk about the remedy. In Joel chapter 2, verse 12 to 17, God presents to the people what they could do to bring them freedom, to bring them healing from all these problems. Now, therefore, I'm reading from the verse 12 to the verse 17. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. So rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from his dressing room. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? 
as I read this, I said, God, this is the prayer that the church needs to present to you in this season. Let the nations not rule over us. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? But before that, God said, rent your heart and not your garments. He said, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rent your heart and not your garments. God is looking for the heart of his people again. He said, forget about all the physical things. First of all, let's deal with the heart first. Let's work on the heart first. I can bring you restoration. I can bring, I can change the situation. But I'm looking for your heart in this season. Are you willing to give me your heart again? And he, you know, he said, the priest should begin to lead this. If you read again, he spelled it out. How it's supposed to be done. Let a bridegroom go out from his chamber. It doesn't matter whether you were wedded on that day. Go join the cry of God's people. In those days, if you got married, at least for one year, you were not supposed to go to war. It was a time, one year honeymoon. My God, that was a long time. <laughs> but when God was seeking for the hearts of the people, he said, whether you are a bridegroom or whatever, I need you to come and consecrate yourself. I remember when we got married. We got married on 29th of December, close to the end of the year. And so the New Year's Eve, which was very, you know, it's, it's, New Year's Eve service is a very big thing for us, you know, back home. And so my wife and I felt we don't really want to miss New Year's service. So we prepared and, you know, left our hotel and went to the service. And our pastor saw us and said, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> Come on, go back home. Like, literally, he sent us back. He said, you guys got married on 29th, 31st, what are you doing here? Well, maybe we're so religious, we couldn't go back. We had to find another church to go and do New Year's service. <laughs> but God is saying to the people, gather the children and nursing babes. You see, God is giving us the remedy. We see the problems. How can we solve it? He said, this is what you guys are supposed to do. I'm looking for your heart. I'm not looking for the physical things. He said, your heart is a point, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God because he's gracious and he's merciful. He's going to leave a blessing behind for you. But how you do it is to blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. People of God, it must begin from the house of God. It must begin with us. We're looking for solutions in the world. God is saying, I am starting with my church. Can I get ahead of my church again in this season? The things out there will change. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babes. Let a bridegroom go out of his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let a priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. That death of seeking the face of God. And he said, this is the prayer that you're supposed to pray. Let them say, spare your children, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach. 
people of God, the heart of God is to bring his goodness to the, to the body of Christ. The heart of God is to let the church sing of his praises because we see his goodness every single day of our lives. But most of us have lost focus. We have been so much fixated on the things going on in the world. We are not even crying for the heart of God to be released upon the body of Christ. Hallelujah. He said that is what you're supposed to do. Do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? God himself is even concerned about how people describe us. Where is their God? In the times like this, God is calling for one thing, repentance. And God is looking for one thing, our heart. He's calling for repentance. He's looking for our hearts. In Psalm 51 verse 17, David presented it so clear for us. He said the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken spirit and a contrite heart, God said, these, O oh God, he will not despise. He said, I will not despise a broken spirit and a contrite heart. What is the meaning of that? A humbled heart. And some of us are beginning to, you know, get deep nudges in our heart to see God more in fasting, in prayer. It is all because God is helping you to bring your heart to him again. He said, when your heart gets broken and contrite, I will not despise it. I partner with you. I do my purposes on this earth with you. And I always say that when God begins to nudge that in your heart, don't quench the fire. Hallelujah. Do not quench the fire. A great man of God said, when God wants to do things in the world, he puts it in the hearts of his people. God will never do things in the world without letting his people have a feel of it. So what God is burning in your heart, do not quench it. There is a reason for it. It may be for you and your family. It may be for you and your business people, your employees. It may be for you and your city, for your region, for the nation and for the nations of the world. Do not quench it. It's a good nudge within our hearts. That is what God is doing in this season. I was so glad to see when, you know, we're going through the fast last, um, the other week, and maybe some of you are still going through that. The, 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 peop, the commitment of people to it was so great. It was so great. People of God, that is how it is done. There is no other way. We can sit and complain all day. It, has, it will not change anything. God has given us the pathway for the solution. The complaints will not change anything. It's actually going to make us more bitter. Amen. And so God is saying that I have created a path for you. I want you to use that. That is how we can get this solution then. And then the last part is the restoration. When the people of God begin to seek God with all our heart and allow him to work with us, partner with us, we see the restoration. You know, let me say this word of encouragement to you. Maybe you did not come to faith to the things of God early in your life. Maybe you wasted a lot of years back until you came to meet Christ. The world will tell you that because you wasted all those years, those years are gone. 
but within the things of God, in the kingdom of God, God has created a divine mechanism that helps us as his people. And that system is called restoration. It doesn't matter how, see, God is able to restore the year that have been destroyed, that have been wasted in your life. That is the God we serve. And so when people are crying in the world because two years, three years of whatever business loss and whatever, God is able to bring a restoration for his people. Maybe you've been seeking the face of God for your family for years and things are not going the way they're supposed to go. There is a divine mechanism called restoration. It is different from how the world sees it. God is able to present it to his people. In one day, he can bring to you things that have been destroyed years back. That is the God we serve. And so God is calling us as his people to be a people of faith and to have hope in him. Our hope must be revived in this season. Because the God we serve is a God of restoration. So now let's move on from Joel chapter 2 verse 18 and see what God presented to the people after he gave them the pathway for the remedy. Joel 2 18 to 19. God said, then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil and you will and you'll be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. This is God saying, I have asked you to cry that you will not be a reproach to the nations. If you do this, I will no more make you a reproach to the nations. I will satisfy you. I will appear upon you. You know something? I believe in hard work. I'm a person who hates boredom in my life. But I have also come to realize that Hard work is not enough for us to be able to attain all that God has given to us. At the beginning, of, when I began to pray about, you know, this and see God more on this, God said, you know what, some things come only by my mercy. I'm not saying hard work is not important. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, when it comes to the restoration of God, do the hard work you're supposed to do. Commit yourself to whatever he's put into your hands. But also remember that something that come in the kingdom, do not come by hard work alone. The mercy of God is able to release things that your hard work cannot give you. Here God said, I will have pity upon you. The pity of God, when God begins to have pity on his people, he does things that blow the mind of everyone. Hallelujah. That is the God that you and I are serving. In the land of Egypt, when the people were crying to God, it is interesting that for over 400 years, they were still there. Actually, Exodus said that they stayed there for 430 years. And that is a message for another day. In Genesis 15, God told Abraham, I will send your descendants into the, uh, a land, Egypt. They're going to be slaves there for 400 years. What happened for them to be there for 430 years, we would take some time to unpack it. But God said in Exodus that when the people cried out to God, he heard their cry. That is the God you and I are serving. Within a few times, God shifted everything. All the years that they had served the Egyptians in hard labor, God said, I'll give you something called favor. Go to the people. Ask them. I will make you favorably disposed before them. 
What I'm saying is that the restoration of God is another divine principle that works for the believers that God has, I mean, for, for the children of God. It is part of how God brings hope and faith in his people again. So if the past years have not gone well for you, child of God, enough. Don't weep over it again. God is giving you the approach to a solution today. Cry to him. Seek his faith as a merciful God. Begin to ask for his mercy and his grace. Ask for the favor of God upon your business, upon your family, upon your life, upon the body of Christ. And see what God will do. Let us ask for the mercy of God upon this land, Canada. We can see all the things that we don't like. But if you and I can cry to God and say, God, remember this nation. Let your mercy come upon this land. I'm telling you, policies will begin to change because God is able to do that. I believe Pharaoh was more stubborn than any, any, any leader, that, political leader we can see nowadays. But God was able to deal with Pharaoh. Hallelujah. You and I don't like some policies. And we think about the impact of it on our children. And add, God is able to change it. And maybe as I say, some of us will think, well, this, are you really sure? Well, the God that took the Israelites from Egypt, he's the same God that we are serving. He has not changed. He said, with my outstretched arm, I will deliver you. The same power of God to deliver is available for our land right now. And so, Lord, we call for your mercy upon this land. We call for your mercy upon this land in the name of Jesus. Remember your people in the land, O oh God, and cause us not to be a reproach in Jesus' name. That is the prayer that God is calling us as his people to engage in with him. Let me move on with the jewel to let me move on to 25. So God promises them of providing for them the physical needs. You know, God is not only concerned about our spiritual life. He's also concerned about our physical needs. Amen. If God has put us in a place where we can experience minus 45, come on. <laughs> if I tell my guys back home of the weather, they're like, what is the meaning of that? I don't know how to describe that to you because there's no way. But God is concerned about the physical needs of his children because he's a good father. Joel 2, 25 to 27, he said, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God. Let me pause here before I move on. God has got no problem with causing us to eat in abundance and be satisfied. The problem is here. If we are willing to praise the name of our God in addition to that. He loves to give us the abundance. He loves to meet the every need. But if you study history in the life all through the Bible, the Israelites and even us here. When God begins to bless us and increase us and give us the abundance, chances are we begin to forget about the God that He has given us all these things. We begin to drift away and we begin to attribute it to our good systems and our good policies. 
And so God begins to take his hand off gradually. And that is part of the love of God. Because he wants you to still come back to him. He's still longing for your heart. And so God said, I am willing to give you the, to have plenty and abundance. And so that you will praise the name of the Lord your God. And say, who has dealt wondrously with you? He said, my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. This is the word of the Lord for the body of Christ today. I was chatting with a friend yesterday, a childhood friend in the U.S. right now, and he was telling me about a video he saw recently in the States. Someone was going to a mall wearing a t-shirt, Jesus loves you. Maybe some of you have seen it. And the guy was prevented from getting into the mall because it's offensive. When we hear these kind of things, what goes on in your heart? Jesus loves you is offensive, but any other thing goes. My people shall never be put to shame. Hallelujah. My people shall never be put to shame. God said, I am willing to bring to you restoration. And sometimes when I read the Bible, I like how God is very specific about certain things. He said, when I am bringing my blessings back to you, the years that the locusts have eaten, I will restore it. And he began to deal with a different kind of locust. Because the different kinds of locusts had different ways of destroying the land. He said, the swarming locusts, these were the locusts that came so fast. They moved. I'm not sure if you guys have seen locusts moving before. Okay. Maybe when you go home, go on YouTube and try to find some videos to watch. But the swarming locusts, they move so fast, every leaf on the tree goes. Very fast. And maybe as you sit here, you ask yourself, something's happened so quickly in my life. I don't even know how I lost the things that I've lost now. It happened so quick. When I just blinked and opened my eyes, it was gone. God is saying that. I am willing to restore that to you. And the second type, he said, the creeping, crawling locusts. It depends on your translation. And these are the locusts that move very slow. They go down and destroy everything beneath. So the swarming locusts move. The creeping ones go beneath. They attach themselves to the plants and begin to creep everything on the stems. And God is saying that, I have seen that happen in your life. And I am willing to restore it to you. Maybe a sudden disease began simply in your life. And before you realize, it's getting into your system. But in the name of Jesus today, I pray for you. That let the God that is able to restore health, restore your health right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. 
Maybe something's happening. It came so slowly. You thought it would just happen for two days and it will go. But it has stayed beyond the time it is supposed to stay. I pray that in the name of Jesus, receive the restoration of God over your life. In Jesus' name. Maybe your children began to disobey in a very simple way. But now the enemy is trying to take them far. Let God restore them back to the right place in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And receive that for whichever area it applies to you. Your business, whatever, your marriage. And things started so simple and the enemy is trying to push beyond the limits. Receive the restoration of God in the name of Jesus. He said the creeping and the crawling locust. I will restore. The next one he called the chewing locust. These type of locusts, I call them, they pay attention to the details. They, they don't just pass or move beneath. They chew, intentionally stick to something and make sure it is fully destroyed before they move on. These are the different ways that the enemy tries to come against us. But that we pray this morning, even in our, for our nation, that any part of our social fiber that seems to be chewed by the enemy, we call for your restoration upon it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we speak into our educational system. We speak into our political system. We speak into our health system, our legal system, anywhere that the enemy has attached himself unto it, trying to cheat you until nothing good is left. We call for your redemption right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, let there be the restoration of God. He said, I will restore. And the last one, he said, the consuming locusts. They take everything. Whatever has been taken away from you, I pray for you this morning that God will restore you. This is the divine provision that you and I have in the kingdom that is supposed to give us hope even in this season of our lives. You don't need two years to recover what you've lost in two years. You don't need one year to. And the last part, God is not just interested in our physical part of life. So in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, God said, after I have done all these things, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Come on, say amen to that. Amen. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. These were the days where the priests were only men and the systems were so, you know, rigid. And God said, you know what? A day is coming. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. We call those out there in the world to come back and see visions. We call those out there to come back and dream dreams. Come and receive the outpour of the Spirit of God. That is what God is doing now. Come on. 
He said, and also on my men servants and my men servant, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And when you read down, he says, and anyone who shall call the name of the Lord shall be saved. Come on. God is calling the church to rise up again and have hope in our God. He said, this is what I am going to do. And this is the day in which we are now. In the book of Acts, when Peter, the Holy Spirit came upon them, Peter referenced this verse. He said, this was what was prophesied in the days of Joel. People of God, we are still in that season. We are still in that season. Maybe I'm changing your theology, but we are still in that season. The Spirit of God is still upon his people. He's looking for those who are ready to move with him. He shall pour the abundance of his Spirit upon them. That is what God is doing now. In the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, like the Amplified Version, it says, For his divine power has bestowed upon us things that are requested and suited to life and godliness. <laughs> Through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by he called us by into his own glory and excellence. Let me read another version here for you. He said, for his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. Through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his name. Two things. God is interested in bestowing upon us Things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, spiritual and physical things. See, this is Peter. He, he spoke in the book of Acts that what Joel mentioned is what we're experiencing. This he wrote many years after that. And he said, the God I'm talking to you about, guys, he's not just interested in one aspect of your life. Both your physical and your spiritual life, he is concerned about it. And so he said he has given unto us all the power he's bestowed upon us, those things. That pertain to life and godliness. But how do we access it? He said, we do access that through the true and personal knowledge of him. This is the true word of God. But God wants us to make that true word of God personal. The truth is the truth. But until the truth becomes personal to you, it doesn't cause you to walk in this. He said, true and personal knowledge. Of him who called us by into his own glory and excellence. So the truth is here. The revelation is here. But are we willing to make it personal? That is the next point. This morning, people of God, God is calling us to a place of hope in him again. We can't afford to be deviated by the things going on in the world. Hope revived. Hope revived. And I pray for you this morning that your hope will be revived. Please, the worship team, you can come up. As we end, I want you to know that the things in the world need solution from the church. The things going on in the world, the solutions are meant to come from the church. And God has given us the way to access that. If we can give our heart to him, he's willing to do that. Mel, can we do the faithful one? Thank you. 
if you could please rise up on your feet with me. I don't know what is going on in your mind and what is going on in your heart this morning, but I want you to leave this place with full assurance of faith and hope in you that it doesn't matter how things are, the God that is able to restore is the God that you are serving. And that God is willing to bring that restoration to your life. Thank you, Jesus. Would you please close your eyes with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. Begin to talk to God in your own life. You know what you're going through. Which areas of your life are you trusting God for, for restoration? Speak to him now. He can hear you. He knows your heart. He said, I will not let my people become reproached anymore. Speak to God about your situation. Is it concerning your children? Is it concerning your health, your finances, your business, your spiritual group? Whatever it is, speak to God right now. He can hear you. And he is here to bring that restoration over your life. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. We give you praise, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercies. We bless you that, Father, you are yearning and willing to bring to your church again hope. Any area that, Lord, we've lost hope. This morning, I pray for hope to be revived. Let hope be revived in your people. Let hope be revived in your people. In the name of Jesus, I pray for hope, Lord God, to be revived in the lives of your children. Whatever we have even thrown in the towel concerning, you are able to stir up hope again. I pray, Lord, for that hope, hope for that healing to come, to be revived. Hope for that business to be stirred up again, to be revived. Hope for the children to come back, the prodigals to come back, to be revived. Hope for our spiritual life to, to, to rise up again. Let that hope be revived in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray, oh God, tonight, this morning, that your grace will abound for us, even as a church, even as a family. That, that we will not sit in despair because of the things that are going on. And Father, I pray that as you seek your face, as we give our house unto you, let your restoration be released upon our lives. The years that have been destroyed by the things of the world, I pray for restoration in the mighty name of Jesus. The years that the locusts have eaten, the cankerworm have eaten, the caterpillars have eaten, the army locusts have eaten, I pray, oh God, that you shall restore unto your church in the name of Jesus. And I declare that we will no more be a reproach to the nations because we serve a God who is faithful. And Lord, we give you all the praise this morning. We thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness. Be exalted to God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.